Let me tell you about what happened last time on Let Me Tell You About Homestuck. Homestuck began on April 13th, 2009, the 13th birthday of our chief protagonist and future boy Skylark, John Egbert. Three days prior was supposed to be the day he received the Spur Beta in the mail, but it was running late. It showed up later that afternoon, and after overcoming a variety of domestic adversities, he retrieved the game, along with a birthday package from his internet friend Dave Strider. John soon established a game connection with another friend, Rose Lalonde, who'd spent the day badgering him about playing with her after unsuccessfully attempting to convince Dave to play. Upon connecting, Rose was able to manipulate John's environment, move his furniture around via cursor, and restructure the shape of his room. John was unable to do this to Rose's environment, however. He'd installed the client copy of the beta and required a server copy for that. The server copy was trapped in his dad's car, along with a birthday package from another friend, Jade Harley. Jade messaged John, inquiring about the package. As of this moment, neither her package nor the server copy has been recovered by John. Rose had also prepared a package for John, but had not mailed it. It still sits in her room. Dave's package contained the authentic stuffed bunny from Con Air. In addition to allowing Rose to control John's environment, Spur provided an array of devices Rose deployed throughout John's house. These devices used together provided a system by which the players could manufacture any item using the code on the back of that item's capture log card, if they gathered enough grist to pay for it. Later, they would learn to combine item codes to master the art of punch card alchemy, whereby items could be fused together in purpose and design. One device on being activated began a countdown, and released an entity called a Colonel Sprite. The countdown ticked down to the moment John's house would be struck by a meteor, destroying his neighborhood. To escape this demise, John had to use the devices to manufacture a special item that looked like a blue apple, and take a bite of it in order to transport his entire house just before impact to the safety of a mysterious dark realm, where his house would situate itself atop a tall rock column high above a blanket of clouds. This realm is called the Medium. Before he entered the Medium, though, John and Rose prototyped his Colonel Sprite with the large Harlequin doll his dad got him for his birthday, transforming the Sprite to bear its likeness, including the ways the doll was disfigured via earlier hijinks. It had a slashed eye and one arm, and so too did the Sprite. When John entered the Medium, the Sprite's Colonel hatched, thus imbuing all the enemies John and his friends would face with properties of the Sprite. The lesser adversaries John faced first, Shale Imps, all wore Harlequin garbs. They became more powerful and more radically mutated with each successive pre-medium prototyping. After entering the medium, John's dad was kidnapped by imps. While John was looking for him, he accidentally prototyped the sprite with his grandmother's ashes, transforming it again. This prototyping had no effect on the enemies, since he was already in the medium, and the colonel had already hatched. Instead, only the sprite was affected, and it took on the appearance, personality, and memories of his grandmother, becoming Nana Sprite a game-supplied, albeit customized, guide for John. She explained certain aspects of the game, about Skya residing at the center of the medium, beyond seven gates floating directly above his house, and about an eternal and timeless war fought there between light and dark, one that light was always destined to lose. Rose, who'd been having frequent internet connection issues, lost her connection as she tried to lift John's car to retrieve the game in the package. The car fell into the abyss below, a storm caused her to lose power along with its wireless internet connection. Her laptop was able to run on battery power for a time while she tapped into the wireless signal from the laboratory next door. 
When her laptop ran out of power, she had to overcome more family strife and endure a gift pony in the process. Go outside in the rain and plug it into the small generator outside the mausoleum of her dead cat, Jaspers. She continued her session with John inside the mausoleum, while the meteor-sparked forest fire surrounding her house grew more intense. From the house, Rose's mom opened a secret passage in the mausoleum to help her escape. The passage led to the lab next door, where Rose found a stable, portable source of power and internet for her computer. She also found a terminal projecting the impact times and locations for the millions of meteors presently bombarding the planet, along with all the other live sessions of other players around the world. She also found a little girl's room, a mutant kitten she named Vodka Mutini, and a cloning machine operating through the science of ectobiology. Its terminal was locked on to her cat Jasper's at whatever point in his life the user specified. She attempted to purify Jasper's from a moment in her early childhood, before he whispered a secret to her. But doing so would have caused a paradox, so it purified or paradoxified a pile of slime instead. The machine used the slime to create a fetal paradox clone of Jasper's in a glass tube. On the monitor, Jasper's then told Young Rose the secret, then vanished, only to show up dead weeks later and put in the mausoleum for years until the present. Rose left the laboratory moments before it was destroyed by a meteor impact. She transportalized back to her mom's room and proceeded to her room to wait for Dave to connect with her and rescue her from the next imminent impact. Dave was charged with acquiring his bro's copy of the game to help Rose. Earlier, he had lost his copy of the game to a mishap involving a crow. It flew in his window, seized the game, and Dave accidentally impaled it with a sword, sending the crow and the game out the window onto a landing far below his apartment. He searched his bro's room, unable to find it, and was briefly shadowed by Lil' Cal, and then found a note beckoning him to meet on the roof for a confrontation. Dave and his bro dueled on the roof extensively, and Dave was thoroughly bested. Upon defeating Dave, his bro dropped the copies of the game, and flew off on his rocket board into the sky. Dave used the copies to connect with Rose, and quickly deployed the devices while her house was on fire, surrounded by flaming tornadoes and minutes away from being destroyed by a meteor. Rose prototyped her kernel sprite with Jasper's, specifically to understand the meaning of the secret he whispered to her years ago. She was advised to do this by Jade, who told her about the game in the first place. Dave then prototyped the Colonel Sprite again with a tentacled princess doll given to Rose on her birthday by her mom. Both of these prototypings would have an effect on the enemies once Rose entered the medium and the Colonel hatched. Rose used the Alchemeter to create the special item. For her, a purple wine bottle, which she needed a break to enter. She eventually did, transporting her house just before the meteor collided. The meteor left a crater. Over time, at the site of impact, a large, white structure that looked like a wine bottle grew there, and the crater filled up with sand as the climate of the post-apocalyptic Earth gradually changed. The cork of that bottle was a large metal cylinder with an interior much like an advanced science station, with a variety of devices and monitors inside. 413 years after the meteor impact, the wayward vagabond walked through the desert and discovered this station. Inside, he found canned rations, a firefly he named Serenity, and a purifier, and four monitors hooked up to a keyboard. On one of the monitors was John, just after he'd entered the medium. WV could type commands to John directly, much as the readers of this story could type commands for the characters to follow. Most of John's actions upon entering the medium were authored by WV, until he became preoccupied with other activities, such as building a town out of cans, playing chess with cans, and drawing chalk murals depicting the cosmological arrangement of Skya, the medium, the light and dark planets known as Prospect and Durs, and the four planets the kids would each occupy upon entering the game, called the Land of Wind and Shade for John, the Land of Light and Rain for Rose, the Land of Heat and Clockwork for Dave, and Jade's Planet, 
which is yet to be seen. He also activated a countdown at the station which caused it to blast out of the crater and fly to designated home coordinates. Along the way, it passed over the sand-filled crater that was the impact site for John's meteor, on the other side of the continent. John's meteor had caused a giant white tree to grow in the crater. The tree grew an apple-like station from a branch which fell to the sand. The Peregrine Mendicant found this station. After WV flew overhead, PM activated her station's homing feature as well, which caused it to fly to the same destination. Along the way, she used her terminal to attempt to command Jade, who from the perspective of the terminal had just arrived in the medium. This caused the terminal to explode for unknown reasons, leaving a hole in the station. One of the station's robotic worms recovered one of PM's falling mailboxes, and she befriended it, after earlier slaying another one with her black regisword. WV landed at the site of the ancient frog ruins across the now dried up Pacific Ocean. The site was once the island where Jade lived, but nothing of the island remained except for the ruins. The mountain her house was on, and the volcano next to it were replaced by a large, empty chasm. PM landed shortly after WV, and they met. They were confronted by the aimless renegade, who fired at them from the frog ruins with old weaponry he'd been hoarding, once belonging to Jade's grandpa. Millions of years ago, the frog ruins grew from a crater, struck by a meteor that emerged from a spur portal in space. Jade's radioactive, omnipotent, space-warping dog named Beckwell emerged from this crater as well. Jade's grandpa pioneered this island, and built the house Jade lives in. Her grandpa has been dead for many years, and stands stuffed in front of the fireplace. She's been looked after by her dog, who she calls Beck. She begins the day with several tasks to accomplish, to feed Beck, to retrieve a birthday package mailed by John, she irradiates a stake and heads outside to the site where the package will be dropped. She knows it'll be dropped there because one of the reminders she wears on her fingers jogs her memory about it. She wears them to keep track of the many things she knows about the future through dreams. She falls asleep frequently and spontaneously. When she sleeps, her dream self is awake and living on the moon that orbits the light planet Prospet. Prospet very closely orbits Skya, a huge sphere of blue sky and clouds, which Nana describes as a dormant crucible of unlimited creative potential. When Prospet's moon eclipses Skya, it drifts into Skya for a time, mingling with the clouds. Dream Jade then witnesses many past and future events in the clouds. While asleep, she's often confused about what is real and what isn't. When she wakes up, she pieces together future events from her memory of the cloud visions and from logs recorded by her dream bot. Her DreamBot is a robotic surrogate that activates while she sleeps in her bed. It mimics in the real world the movement and actions of her dream self on the moon, and records a video log of what she sees while dreaming. Prospect's moon has two towers of identical design, and similar design to Jade's house. Dream Jade lives in one tower, Dream John lives in the other. Dream John is still asleep, and John has no knowledge of the dream world, which is to say the entire game session he would initiate on his 13th birthday. When he goes to sleep, instead of waking up on the moon as Jade does, he remains slumbering in his dream room, tormented by his subconscious. This torment is expressed when he sleepwalks, and draws troubling scribbles on the walls of his room. When awake, he cannot see the scribbles, as his subconscious suppresses his awareness of them. It's not until he has a perception-altering revelation about his dad does he begin to see them. He initially believed they were new additions to his room, perhaps scrawled by imps. However, they were present long before, visible in his room while he prepared Jade's birthday package months ago. John prepared a package for each of his three friends, whose 13th birthdays were December 1st, Jade, 3rd, Dave, and 4th, Rose. He gave Rose a knitting set, and she then took an intense interest in knitting. 
He gave Dave the pair of shades Ben Stiller wore in Starsky and Hutch, which he wore from then on, replacing the shades in the style his bro wore. He gave Jade a blue version of his own ghost shirt and some pumpkin seeds to help her replace the pumpkins that kept disappearing from her garden. But she didn't receive this on the birthday John intended. She received it in the past, on her birthday when she was very young, causing her to take an interest in gardening in the first place, to take a liking to blue apparel, and to eventually befriend John over the internet and lead him, Rose, and Dave down a path where they would ultimately play this game together. Jade did retrieve his package in the present as planned, but immediately took it to another location where it disappeared. WV in the far future have purified it from that location on accident. The package contained further instructions for him. He was to bring it to PM, and she was to use her station Scentificator to send it to another place in time. After she did this, the package appeared in front of young Jade on her birthday. Jade orchestrated the sequence of events through knowledge of them by her cloud visions. She orchestrated similar events from the package she sent to John, plotting the circuitous route through time and space it was meant to follow. She again utilized the Exiles for help, while they were still in the medium. The Exiles WV, PM, and AR were all formerly Agents of the Kingdoms, before they were exiled by some means to post-apocalyptic Earth. AR, as an authority regulator in the land of Wind and Shade, discovered the package and the beta copy in John's wrecked car as he gave it a parking ticket. PM, working as a parcel mistress, recognized the package from a correspondence she had with Jade on Prospect some time ago, and recalled it must be delivered to John. AR would not relinquish the package, though he did give her the beta, which she delivered into a Pixis to satisfy the carved request of a mini-tablet. John carved this tablet at the request of PM through the command terminal in the future. AR brought the package to Durse, where it ultimately wound up on the desk of Jack Noir. Jack is the Archagent of the Dark Kingdom, charged with overseeing affairs through his office's fenestrated wall portals and processing paperwork. He's forced to wear a silly garment in keeping with prototyping themes by the Black Queen, an order he resentfully complies with. He oversaw the imprisonment of John's dad, who broke loose on multiple occasions. When Jack went to handle it personally, John's dad set Jack's hat on fire. In a surly act of gratitude, he released the prisoner. John's dad fled to the land of Wind and Shade, fought large monsters, got his hat dirty, and lost a shoe. He then carved tablet requests for new ones, which John filled via Pixis, unaware of who requested them. PM followed AR to Durst in hopes of retrieving the package. After wandering around, she encountered the Black Queen on her throne. Both the Light and Dark Kingdoms each have a king and queen. The queen sit on a throne on Prospect and Durst respectively, ruling the planet, while the kings command armies on the battlefield, located at the center of Skaya. The queen takes on the attributes supplied by the prototypings due to her four-orbed ring that she wears. When the ring is removed, the queen is restored to normal. PM showed the BQ a parking ticket she was pretending to deliver. The BQ directed her to Jack's office where the ticket could be fulfilled. PM met Jack and asked for the package. Jack proposed a deal and gave her a black regisword. If she would kill the White Queen and White King and bring him their crowns, he would give her the package. She accepted with little alternative. She then visited the WQ on Prospect and explained the situation, with no intention of carrying out Jack's mission. The WQ, understanding the futility of their situation and the need to recover the package, abdicated, and gave PM her crown and her ring. PM was instructed to go find the White King, retrieve his crown, and receive further instruction on what to do with the ring to protect it. WQ would then eventually exile herself to post-apocalyptic Earth. On post-apocalyptic Earth, after AR fired on WV and PM from the ruins, he spotted WV's pumpkin, which WV had earlier purified from Jade's house. He recognized the carving of Beck's silhouette on the pumpkin. 
Fearful of it, he surrendered. The three exiles soon became friends over a campfire and shared rations. WV and AR built Exile Town out of cans, mailboxes, and bullets. PM operated WV's station terminal to submit commands to John as he explored the land of wind and shade. In the sky, another station teleported and fell to the ground. It was shaped like an egg and originated from Dave's meteor impact site, in correspondence with the egg-shaped item he would use to enter the medium. Emerging from this station was the wind-swept Questant, formerly the White Queen. AR and WV sought to impress WQ by crafting a crown for her out of a mailbox. She refused the distinction, instead giving it to PM, who had successfully completed her mission to deliver Jade's package to John in the distant pass. The means by which she went about this have yet to be seen. John entered the land of wind and shade by having Rose build up his house to the first gate, fighting through many imps and ogres with his powerful new alchemized weapons, and entering the gate. This took him to a location beneath the clouds, far below his house. The Lawless turned out to be a large, windy planet, full of dark terrain, incandescent trees, networks of pipes, and oily rivers. In addition to hosting more powerful adversaries, the land is occupied by friendly consorts, a race of salamanders. They help John understand the mythos of the land, and inform him of the planet's persecution by a sleeping denizen, which is responsible for clogging the pipes with oil and trapping fireflies under the clouds. Each planet has a sleeping denizen, which the player must first wake and then kill in the course of their journey through the Seven Gates. Rose's planet, the land of light and rain, is a multicolored ocean planet with white sandy islands and pink ruins, and has a denizen responsible for killing all life in the water. Dave's planet, the land of heat and clockwork, is a lava planet, covered in industrial steel frame structures and turning gears, and has a denizen of yet unknown qualities. Killing the denizen releases a huge grist horde buried at the core of the planet, which is then used to fuel a process known as the ultimate alchemy. Along the way, the kids are meant to learn about their destined roles in this quest as the Heir of Breath, the Seer of Light, the Knight of Time, and the Witch of Space. Over the course of their quest, the Dark Kingdom will inevitably defeat the Light Kingdom. The Black Queen and King will take control and initiate the Reckoning. This affects a belt of meteors called the Veil, which orbits far from Skya, between the four planets and Durse, and is host to various lab facilities used by the kingdoms. The Reckoning causes the meteors to descend on Skya, ultimately destroying it, unless the Black Queen and King can be defeated in time. Skya, however, buys time by opening defense portals to catch many of the meteors, redirecting them elsewhere in space and time. This is the generic template for the way the game is supposed to proceed. It can deviate from this model, however, depending on the actions of the players, and the details of the game mythology presented is unique to each group of players in their session. Long before John and his friends started playing the game, another group of players had been persistently trolling them, particularly Jade. They're furious about an action she'll take that will cause major problems in the four kids' game session, and inevitably lead to their defeat. Specifically, Jade will send a package to John, apparently containing a powerful weapon he'll need later. But the package winds up in the hands of Jack Noir, leading to dire consequences. They allude to other things she'll do that'll lead to not only trouble for the four kids, but the troll players as well. The trolls consist of 12 kids from an alien planet, who went through the same process as John and his friends, escaping from annihilation of their planet via meteors and into the medium to play the game. Their game session is entirely separate from that of the four kids. It has the same basic template, with its own Skya, Prospit, Durse, Vale, and a planet for each troll, but separate game instances of these. They also have different instances of the same character templates, such as the Kings and Queens, and agents like Jack Noir. The trolls have completed their game session with yet unknown results. 
They now reside on a meteor in their veil, sitting at terminals trolling John and company. From their terminals, they can choose any point in the past or future of the kids to troll, and observe what they're doing at that moment. As a group, their only stated objective is to harass the kids, which they do so haphazardly through different moments in the kids' timeline. Though they can choose any point in the kids' timeline to talk, they're mostly resigned to the understanding that no matter what they do, they can't change the outcome of the kids' actions. The four most vociferous trolls so far have been Carcinogeneticist, Gallows Calibrator, Grim Auxiliatrix, and Adios Toreador. The other eight being Apocalypse Arisen, Twin Armageddon's, Arsenic Catnip, Arachnid's Grip, Centaur's Testicle, Terminally Capricious, Caligula's Aquarium, and Cuttlefish Color, each yet to be heard from. Carcino Geneticist appears to have spearheaded the group's trolling campaign. While he was in the thick of his game session, the exile commanding him from a terminal in the apocalyptic future was Spade Slick. This is one difference between his game session and John's, who had WV as an exile commanding him. In CG's session, his version of Jack Noir became exiled along the way, and took on the name Spade Slick. Three other agents were exiled, and the four of them formed a gang called the Midnight Crew, and spent years building up a dark city in the future wasteland of the troll's dead planet. Another difference in the troll's session is that at some point along the way, the Black Queen was also exiled, later joined a rival gang called the Felt, assumed special powers that make her highly invisible to kill, and came to be known as Snowman. It was not until Slick confronted the Felt in their mansion that he discovered the station terminal to command CG, and not before Snowman blinded him in one eye, severed his arm, and locked him in a vault. Each troll has a different trolling strategy, and a different rhythm by which they hop around the kids' timelines to chat with them. CG's strategy, for the most part, was to begin trolling them at the very end of their adventure, the moment at which he was most angry with their actions, and then gradually work backwards, mostly talking to John. This proves to be mutually frustrating, though, as John knows less and less about the situation the further into the past CG goes. Similarly, the further into the future John progresses, the more he has the advantage over CG by knowledge of his future conversations with him, and vice versa. Over the course of the opposing directions of the two sides of the conversation, John learns more about the nature of the game and why they're being trolled, and in spite of the hostility, they gradually befriend each other through an inevitably alluded to process on both sides of the conversation. Early in the correspondence between John and CG, which is to say late for CG, CG discovers he needs to get in touch with Jade, who refuses to talk to him in that time period. So he delivers a message to her much earlier, months in the past, telling her she needs to contact him when she's in trouble. She'll know to do this when her dream bot explodes in the future, an outcome that has not yet happened. Two other trolls, Grim Auxiliatrix and Adios Toreador, have targeted only Rose and Dave thus far. GA has hopped arbitrarily back and forward in Rose's timeline to talk to her, and is attempting to cultivate a friendship with her that now seems rigged through a series of conversational time loops, while seeking counsel from Dave on how to befriend her. AT sought counsel from Rose on how to troll Dave more effectively after getting severely counter-trolled by him. He's under the impression he rebounded nicely, though. Gallo's Calibrator has stayed mostly linear in her trolling patterns, and has done so under the guise of helping the kids on their quest. She convinces John to take a shortcut through his land, shows him the Denizen's Palace, leads him to warp back to his house, then shows him how to fix the faulty rocket pack he made earlier through an alchemy mishap. She tells him to use the rocket pack to fly up to the Seventh Gate, enter the Denizen's Palace, and kill it in its sleep. He complied with this, and flew through the Seventh Gate, in spite of reservations from Dave, who just entered the medium the moment before John took off. GC also assisted Rose just after she bested an ogre with ease. She counseled her on understanding her role as a seer of light, 
and the meaning of the voice in her head is an exile issuing commands from a terminal. In her case, it was the exiled White Queen issuing commands from the egg-shaped station in the future. Since Dave is Rose's server player, the terminal station from John's impact site issues commands to Rose, just as the station at Rose's site, which WV found, issues commands to John, her client player. After conversing with GA, Rose found Jasper Sprite and interrogated him about the secret which she found so maddeningly mysterious years ago. He explained elements of the mythos of her land, and how she'd need to learn to play the rain to produce the musical analog of a genetic code to reintroduce life into the ocean. In response to her question about his secret, he simply replied, Meow. She mistook this for more nonsense, but it was in fact a secret he told her years ago. The four-letter sequence M-E-O-W unlocked a genetic code in her subconscious, which she would spend years scrawling on her wall using those letters in place of the typically used GCAT letters, while completely oblivious to the scrawlings and their meaning just as John was. As Jasper said, she would understand their meaning when her dream self wakes up. Rose's dream self lives in a tower on the moon of Durse. Dave's dream self lives on the same moon in the other tower. It was suggested by Rose's future self, who's fully awake in the tower, that Dave had already been awake in his tower all along without realizing it. This was suggested in a conversation she had in the future with Dave. It was an alternative future timeline not meant to be. The future timeline came about by this series of events. Dave was able to enter the medium by connecting with Jade as his server player. Jade got the copies of the game from the Frog Ruins after she delivered John's package to her past self. She snuck into the ruins while Beck was asleep and retrieved the game from a Lotus time capsule which had been ticking down for millions of years. The game was Dave's copy from the future, the same one that fell out the window with the Impaled Crow. Once she got the game, the time capsule started ticking down again, set to expire 413 years later when the Exiles are there. She dropped some items in the ruins, leaving them there for AR to find, and leaving her base jammed in the elevator. Beck then found her there, took her back to her room, and grounded her there for the rest of the evening. She quickly helped Dave set up the game, upgrading his alchemeter heavily and crafting the special item he needed to enter the medium, a red egg which needed to be incubated and hatched to activate. She prototyped his kernel sprite with the Impaled Crow, which would affect the enemies later, including the Black Queen. The sprite built a nest on top of his apartment's antenna tower and stole the egg to incubate it for hours. A very large meteor was soon bearing down on his city. Dave then entered the medium through a series of unseen events. Jade was asleep, thus forbidden by Dave from interacting with his environment at all. Jade complied for fear of retribution. Dave was faced with the Crow Sprite, which appeared to be a suggesting he prototype it again with the remains of Lil' Cal. Dave consulted with John on this, who was about to rocket up to the seventh gate. John had no advice and proceeded up through the gate against better judgment. Dave prototyped the Sprite with Cal. John entered the palace, presumably found the denizen, and was easily killed by it as was the intent of GC's trick on him. This meant John could not establish a connection with Jade to rescue her from the looming meteor, and Dave and Rose lost contact with her, presuming her dead. Dave and Rose then spent the next four months in the medium, advancing as far as they could to collect information before Dave decided to travel back in time to change events. Dave used his timetables to go back to the moment he was about to prototype with Cal. Both he and his past self strongly urged John not to go through the gate. John was reluctant at first, but soon reconsidered and flew down beneath the clouds. Future Dave then gave present Dave all his advanced gear, and prototyped the Crow Sprite with himself to make Dave's Sprite, thus serving as his own guide from the future. Before going back in time, Future Dave convinced Future Rose to go to sleep. 
He suggested her dream self would be unaltered by the timeline shift, and in her dream state she would remember the events from the future. When Dave went back, Rose's future dream self assumed the position of Rose's present dream self. Rose fell asleep, and on Durst's moon, she instantly woke up. She then saw all the genetic scrawling she did in M-E-O-W letters, and understood their meaning. Meanwhile, on Durst Below, the Black Queen again insisted that Jack Noir abide by the dress code. He refused, and the Queen threatened him. He picked up Jade's package to John, removed what was inside, and used it to slice her ring finger off. He then killed the Black Queen, put on the ring, and donned the full upgrade supplied by the three prototypings. He then became Jaxper's Noirly Crow, which is a name I've just made up now. And then you started watching me type in this ridiculous study I photoshopped for myself with my cool horse painting propped up in the background. GC helped John fly to the second gate, which took him to Rose's world, Lolar. He crashed into Rose's room, where he found her asleep. He snooped through her room, and Dave tricked him into giving him the code to duplicate Rose's writing journals. John opened the package Rose made for his birthday. It contained the bunny from Con Air, the same one John got from Dave, but older and dirtier, and modified with Rose's knitting. She'd had the bunny since she was very young. John leaves Casey the Salamander, or Bubbles Viceroy Von Salamancer, in the room. He briefly speaks with G.A. from Rose's computer and pretends to be Rose. She believes he is, triggering a convoluted series of conversations between her and the real Rose in both the past and future, in no particular order. G.A. gets help with her computer from T.A., Twin Armageddon's, in time to see Rose at her computer, having woken up. Before she woke up, Dream Rose was awake on Durst's moon. She now had memories from her future self's doomed alternate reality. She flew to Dream Dave's tower and got his attention with a ball of yarn, causing real Dave to fall asleep. They had a dream dance party. Dream Rose threw Dream Cal out the window. Bro's rocket board caught Dream Cal. AR followed the board and Cal to a transportalizer on Durse, which led to a meteor lab in the Vale. Meanwhile on Lolar, Rose's mom defeated a huge monster. The pony, Maplehoof, followed her and collected the Grist Windfall. Both Mom and the pony then transported to the Meteor Lab. John's dad found a clean hat John had deposited into a parcel pixis. Dad followed Jade's grandpa, who was carrying John's Sassacre book, into some ruins. They both transported to the Meteor Lab, too. Meanwhile, John used the Grist collected by the pony to make a normal-sized version of a giant hammer, Fear No Anvil, which Dave Sprite gave him the code for. Dream Rose saw John on Dream Dave's computer and woke up. She went out to see him, but he had already blasted off. He took the mutant kitten Vodka Mutini, or Dr. Meowgon Spangler, with him. John found the ruins that Mom and the Pony went into. He went in and killed some powerful monsters with his new hammer. He transported to the Meteor Lab as well. In the lab, he found no one except the Pony. Some other stray items were on the floor. Dad's dirty hat, the Sasker book, Dream Cal... He found some apparatus used to genetically engineer foot soldiers and agents for the white and black armies from chess piece DNA. He also found a junior ectobiologist lab suit, and a series of terminals much like those the Exiles would find in the far future. He would use this apparatus to create paradox clones of himself, his friends, and their guardians. 
Meanwhile, AR surfed Bro's rocket board to a different meteor containing the frog temple that would later root itself near Jade's Island. Inside, he found the same time capsule she would find later. He also found some more lab equipment used for ectobiology. This equipment would soon be used to create Becquerel, a mutated combination of the genes from an ordinary dog in the early 20th century and the DNA code in one of Rose's journals. AR hides in the lab when he hears one of Jack's henchmen, the Draconian Dignitary. DD is carrying Rose's duplicated journals, which he stole from Dave, and Dave's beta, which was used as a bookmark. He discards the beta into the time capsule. Millions of years later, from the capsule's perspective, Jade would retrieve the beta and use it to connect with Dave, allowing him to enter the medium. Dave created the journal duplicates after an extensive alchemy binge. Rose too had a similar alchemy session and both kids upgraded their weapons and gear. Rose made a pair of needle wands, crossed with her grimoire, and took up the art of dark magic. She used this magic to burn her journal, thus destroying the genetic code. She was advised to do so by the gods of the furthest ring, whom she was now able to communicate with in her dreams. The gods live far beyond the veil and advise the children of the moon of Durs, and serve as the counterpart to the role Skya plays for the children of Prospit's moon. They deemed the code which would inevitably be used to create Becquerel to be dangerous. Dave decided to destroy his copy too, but when he went back to his room, he discovered they were stolen. He also found his own dead body, which apparently was him from the very near future attempting to go back in time and stop the thief, DD. Dave decided not to attempt any more time travel and disposed of the body. GC discussed the matter with him and pledged to help him by telling him his future along the way so that he would not have to face the death of more future selves or suffer the sort of embarrassment he went through while entering the medium. Previously unseen, the way Dave entered the medium was as follows. As the large meteor was bearing down on his city, Dave climbed the radio tower on top of his building with his broken sword in hand to reach the nest built by the crow sprite. The sprite guarded the egg, which, unknown to Dave, simply needed time to hatch before he could enter. The sprite pecked his head and he fell. He was saved by Bro's rocket board. Meanwhile, Bro was on top of the meteor, riding it as it descended. He used his sword to chop it in half, splitting it into two pieces, diverting the initial impact from their building to two separate impact sites. He thus bought a little more time for the egg to hatch, which it did, just before their location was consumed by the blasts. On Prospect's Moon, PM prepared to depart for the battlefield at the center of Askaya to seek the King's Council on what to do with the Queen's Ring. She was tailed by another of Noir's lackeys, the Courtyard Droll. CD picked her pocket and stole the ring. PM departed via shuttle to Skaya. Dream Jade then clobbered CD and recovered the ring. She tried it on, but its power had no effect on humans. Later, CD would travel to the battlefield and continue tailing PM. The battlefield is a planet at the center of Skaya. It undergoes a transformation with each player that enters the medium, and each new prototype kernel introduced. It starts as a simple 3x3 chessboard with two kings in perpetual stalemate, and expands to a larger board and more exotic collection of pieces with the first player entering. Then it becomes a much larger cube with the second player. And then an even larger sphere with oceans, trees, mountains, and pastures with the third. It presumably will transform again with the fourth. The armies of the Black and White Kingdoms duel there. Soldiers are airlifted from meteor facilities in the Vale to supply the manpower. Enormous mutant chess-like monsters stalk the landscape. The two kings command their armies from the field. They each have a scepter that serves a similar purpose to the Queen's Rings. When activated, the scepter causes a king to be a giant and bear the properties of all the prototypings. A king is able to deactivate a scepter, to hand it off to another so that they'll not be affected in that way. When the Black King captures the White King's Scepter, the Reckoning begins. 
The Reckoning sends all the meteors in the Veil towards Skya in stages. First the small ones, and then gradually the bigger ones over a 24-hour period. There was a war-weary Villain on the battlefield who was a simple farmer and was tired of the conflict. WV united a band of soldiers from both armies to lead a rebellion against the Black King. Before they could attack the King, Jack Noir, now empowered by the Black Queen's ring, intercepted the coup. He destroyed the Black King's scepter and killed the King. Jack then killed the entire Rebellion army, sparing only WV. Perhaps to leave a survivor to tell the story, or perhaps out of respect for a fellow mutineer. Only he knows. Meanwhile, PM met with the White King. He disabled his scepter and gave it to her along with his crown. PM now had the crowns of the White King and Queen, and the White Scepter, but discovered she had misplaced the White Queen's ring. Jack's muscle, the hegemonic brute, had been tailing the White King. HB then followed PM and attacked her. She dropped the scepter off a cliff. She would regroup and chop off HB's head with the Regisword Jack gave her to kill the White Monarchs. CD, who had been tailing both of them, recovered the White Scepter and delivered it to Jack. Jack used it to initiate the Reckoning and would proceed to go on a more extensive rampage, devastating the battlefield and Prospit. Back in the Meteor Lab, John began the Ectobiology session which appeared to have been prepared for him in advance by the Guardians who had just been there. The four monitors were all locked onto the kids' guardians at certain points in time, each on the day of one of the kids' birth. On Jade's birthday, Nana was locked onto in John's neighborhood, by the Betty Crocker factory. The meteor-carrying baby Jade crashed into the factory and destroyed it. Her grandpa, the owner of that factory, would adopt her. John's dad witnessed and would spend years investigating. On Dave's birthday, Grandpa was locked onto while he was on his yacht, pioneering the island for the first time. He was sailing with Baby Jade. Overhead, there was the meteor-carrying Baby Dave, which would crash into Bro's favorite record shop. On Rose's birthday, Bro was locked onto as he stood over the crater where he would find Baby Dave. He would give him a tiny pair of pointy shades. Overhead, there was a meteor-carrying Baby Rose, which would land in a lake and destroy it. Rose's mom would retrieve and adopt her. Months later, on John's birthday, Mom would bring Rose to John's neighborhood to investigate the destruction of Grandpa's factory and related stellar phenomena. The target was locked onto her. Dad came out of the family joke shop to greet her, leaving Nana inside. The meteor-carrying baby John destroyed the shop, killing Nana. Dad would adopt John and Rose's mom disappeared. Dad retrieved her scarf and filed the clue away for his ongoing investigation. John attempted unwittingly to appearify all four guardians. But since removing them from those moments would have caused a paradox, he instead paradoxified their ghost slime imprints. This slime was collected into two pairs of containers. One pair collected Nana and Grandpa's slime, the other pair collected Mom and Bros. The device then created baby paradox clones of the four guardians. These babies would then later be sent back in time to become those guardians themselves. Once those four clones were created, another sequence activated. The two pairs of slime tubes emptied into vats below. The Nana-Grandpa slime mixed together, and separately, the Mom-Bro slime mixed together as well. An additional four Paradox clones were created from those two slime concoctions. Baby John and Jade were created from the Nana-Grandpa slime, and Baby Rose and Dave were created from the Mom-Bro slime. These four babies would also go back in time to become the four kids, via meteors in the sequence and on the dates listed above. All eight babies would each ride their own meteors, launched from the Veil after Jack started the Reckoning and into the defense portals deployed by Skya to protect itself. The defense portals each led to Earth, as Skya defends itself, in a way, by sacrificing Earth. 
While most meteors are sent to the time period when the kids begin the game, many lead to a number of different time periods. Some 13 years prior to the game, used by the kids. Some nearly a century prior, used by Nana and Grandpa. Some millions of years ago, used eventually by the Frog Temple meteor. And some to the far future, used by the Exiles. And all eight of them would travel with an object or animal. John with his Sassaker book, which would become the much older looking family heirloom stored in Dad's safe, with Nana Sprite's inscription to John on it. Rose with the dirty bunny Dave gave John for his birthday. Dave with the pony Maple Hoof. Jade with the knit repaired bunny Rose got John for his birthday, which Rose cherished since birth. Nana with Dad's dirty hat. Mom with Mutini, or Meowgan. Grandpa with two flintlock pistols, which older grandpa left behind for him in the lab, which would eventually wind up in Jade's room. And bro with Dream Cal, which would later be fitted with a new personalized shirt, and would become Real Cal, the same doll that would haunt Dave's waking life and consequently his dreams. All of these babies and their items would automatically be transported to their own meteors at the onset of the reckoning. John made absolutely sure to give Baby, Rose, and Jade their bunnies when he saw an opportunity to reenact a scene from one of his favorite movies, much to the dismay of a watching CG. While AR was in the Frog Temple lab, he would see more of young Nana and Grandpa's stories. On 4-13-1910, exactly 99 years prior to John's birth, Baby Nana's meteor destroyed a bakery owned by Betty Crocker. Nana was adopted by Crocker's husband, Colonel Sassaker, and taken to live in his mansion. Eight days later, Grandpa's meteor destroyed the doghouse belonging to Sassaker's dog, Hallie. Hallie was elsewhere and was unharmed. When Sassaker and Nana went to investigate the crater, Sassaker was shot and killed accidentally with one of Grandpa's pistols. Hallie then showed up, who young Grandpa would tend to pronounce Harley due to his speech impediment, and would largely serve as their guardian for the next 13 years, with presumably some parental influence from the wicked Crocker. On his 13th birthday, Grandpa would run off with Harley to find adventure. Nana would stay behind, contend with the Batter Witch, and master the art of baking, as well as take up her deceased grandfather's tradition of pranksterism. Harley was locked onto by the Frog Temple's equipment. Dee Dee activated the device and produced a Paradox clone of Harley combined with the controversial Meow Code to create Puppy Beck. The spectacle terrified AR, leaving a major impression on him. He would later recognize Beck's silhouette carved on WV's pumpkin years later. The pumpkin commanded his fear and caused him to surrender. Meanwhile, the grown-up versions of Mom and Dad were on board a flying battleship belonging to Grandpa, who piloted it towards Skya. Dad gave Mom her long-discarded scarf from the day he lost his mother and found his son. The two guardians traded gestures of affection. Jade remained asleep through it all, trying to stay on the moon as long as she could until she figured out how to wake John up. She talked about this with A.T., who revealed he preferred his dream life on Prospect more than any aspect of the game, and regretted all the trolls' dream selves were now dead. Jade expressed surprise at the notion of dream self-mortality. After Jack used the full power of the ring to devastate the battlefield and the two armies, he turned his attention on Prospect, inflicting severe damage the same way. He then cut the chain connecting the moon to Prospect, sending the moon plummeting through the atmosphere of Skya, and breaking up in the process. Dream John, still asleep, fell out of his tower and drifted down ahead of the following moon. Dream Jade flew to intercept him and spent a moment attempting to wake him up before the moon's collision was imminent. At the last minute, she flung Dream John out of the blast radius, but was not able to clear the blast herself. She died. The blast left a massive crater on the battlefield. This was the first thing Dream John saw when he woke up. The death of Dream Jade caused her Dreambot to malfunction and explode, destroying her room. 
Still asleep, Jade fell from her tower as Beck watched from a distance, and an enormous meteor loomed overhead. Elsewhere, on Dave's world, Lohak, Bro dueled with Jack briefly. It was a stalemate until Bro plunged his sword into the large, floating record platform they were fighting on. This released a mysterious energy from the cracks. Bro escaped. Rose completed her final GameFAQs walkthrough entry, and used magic to seal it in a server in the furthest ring, to be accessed by players in worlds beyond their own. She had destroyed her first gate on a whim, and resolved to search for answers to remedy the hopelessness of their doomed session. Meanwhile, Dave entered his first gate, riding into it with his awesome skateboard, Unreal Air. The four exiles arrived on Earth years after its apocalypse, but years before they found their respective command station. WV wrapped himself in John's dream blanket, which became dirty and unrecognizable over time. He found it along with a jack-like doll on the battlefield, which formerly sat in Dream John's bedroom, haunting his dreams. WV ripped it apart. PM wrapped herself in a prospect banner, which too faded in time. AR wrapped himself in caution tape, using his own supply, as well as some fresh rolls he was lucky enough to discover near the ruined frog temple in one of Grandpa's old crates. This was after he escaped that same temple in the medium, and found the meteor in which John slept. That meteor then took off for Skya, via the Reckoning. AR taped John to the rocket board and cast him off before the meteor went through a portal. Thus, AR became exiled. WQ exiled herself with an entourage on a royal cruiser, and landed on Earth. She departed on a solo quest, leaving her people to their own devices. She discovered her command station, a large egg, broken in two pieces in the two large craters made by Dave's split meteor. She used a key to repair the egg station and teleported to the present location of the Exiles, the Frog Ruins at night, 413 years after the apocalypse of Earth. On the battlefield, Dream John found Dream Jade's body. He was sad and confused and took her ring as a keepsake. Later, Grandpa would land his ship on the battlefield, find and recover her body, and use it to create a stuffed trophy as a memorial, as per the proud family tradition. He would depart in his ship and leave Mom and Dad behind. John saw a vision in a cloud directing him where to go. It was a castle where he would rendezvous with PM. PM, after beheading HB, used his radio to summon Jack. He came and she traded the two white crowns for the green box, Jade's present to John. He appeared pleased to uphold the bargain, either out of the misunderstanding that he was still under control of its contents, or out of respect for PM's tenacity and brutality in pursuing the prize. Only he knows. PM delivered the package to John and then left, not thrilled by the trials caused by its recovery. John opened it to find letters from Jade and her pen pal, who helped her make the present for him over several years. The gift was the pen pal's idea, and he himself was coerced into the plan by someone else. The box contained a modified version of the stuffed bunny John had received for his birthday twice already. It was the same knit-repaired bunny John sent back in time with Baby Jade, and she presumably kept it as a cherished childhood toy ever since. It was now upgraded with mechanical parts, fully mobile and autonomous. It was also included with four powerful weapons, the Royal D-Ringer, a broken sword, the Quills of Echidna, magic wands, Ahab's Crosshairs, a rifle, and the Warhammer of Zillihu, a hammer. Each was shrunken down to be bunny-sized. As John mourned Jade's death over her letter, he was interrupted by Jack's sword. Jack was after the ring, but the heavily armed mechanical bunny intervened, recognizing John as its new master. Jack, knowing the danger of the toy, was forced to retreat. Finally, a cloud showed John what he was supposed to do with the ring. It was held by a mysterious black hand. 
In the far future on Earth, the Exiles gathered around Exile Town. WQ asked WV for something. WV revealed he'd been storing the complete quad prototype ring in the sleeve of his trusty knife. It had been there all along, much to Serenity's surprise. And then, I started working on Act 5. 